Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume nine, issue 450. And today we're going to talk about Wonder Song. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 450 are John Salmon. Hello. Leah Haydu. Hi. And from TCGS, the Computer Game Show podcast, and other ventures, Sean Bell. Hello. Welcome back, Sean. Do I have other ventures? What were they? Uh, well, isn't like <laughs> TCGS is like a thing now, isn't it? It's like a brand, a bit so like us. A, a mini conglomerate. You've yeah. got a network with videos and I mean, stuff. I occasionally do a cooking show. That's about yes. as far as it's good. <laughs> it's a venture. <laughs> An adventure in <laughs> culinary delights. Yeah. yeah, well, you can plug all that later anyway. Mm. Uh, but we're going to talk about Wonder Song for the usual length of time or thereabouts. What is Wonder Song? It's one of the more, I suppose, under the radar titles we may have covered this year, as we'll hear from some of our correspondents, but uh, but it was highly rated nonetheless. It is a side-scrolling puzzle and adventure game that uses music as a puzzle-solving mechanic, according to Wikipedia. We'll issue a spoiler warning as well, because the game definitely is story-driven, and uh, and I would say that, although I don't think you'd lose too much from kind of listening to the show and then playing the game because the experience is in the the writing and the colours and the sounds. But if you don't want to know what happens at the end, this is your spoiler warning. We'll describe it, even if we don't, even if you don't live it kind of thing. Uh, the main developer, the main person behind Wonder Song is Greg Lobanoff. In an interview with Dual Shockers, talking about the inception of Wonder Song, he says, when I started... When I first started the game in late 2015, it was the tail end of Gamergate, and the game very much at the time felt like a kind of reaction to that. Everyone was still feeling really depressed and low out of that, and there was this general feeling of distrust among people. This will all seem seemingly become relevant, I hope, as as we talk about Wonder Song, especially for those who haven't played it. Uh, Wonder Song was first made by Greg Lobanoff, inspired by his 5,000-mile bike ride across the USA, Went into de- development in October 2015. I lived on my bicycle for five months and rode from Philadelphia down to Florida, across the south and through the desert in America, and then up California a little bit. It was like this ridiculous adventure thing. There's a lot to say there, but the whole experience was very life-changing. I came out of it with lots of new ideas and thoughts about, like, just the world and things. I wanted to make a game that was inspired by that trip and it took a long time to process, but eventually Wonder Song felt like it was the game that was about that. I had an idea for a game about singing when I was driving in a car and I was singing along with the radio. I was like, you know, this is really fun. What if there was a game about this? After a successful Kickstarter in February 2016, he brought on sound engineer, uh, sound designer, excuse me, M. Halberstadt, known for her, her exceptional work on Night in the Woods and musician Gordon McGladdery, uh, also known for A Shell in the Pit, and music in games such as Rogue Legacy, Viking Squad, and Bunker Punks. Uh, also, games such as Kirby's Epic Yarn and Undertale, as well as animated cartoons like Over the Garden Wall and Steven Universe, inspired the game's tone, pace, and art style. Humble Bundle are the publisher. They've got a charming little animation and jingle when you fire up the game. Uh, and the game was made in Game Maker Studio, which is what Greg uses. Uh, the game is made in Game Maker, software that Greg first learned to make games in uh, about a decade ago. 
but expanded with a wide array of in-house dev tools including a shape and colour based level editor and fairly advanced audio editor. That's from Greg's own website. Game is released on Mac, PC and Switch first of all worldwide September 27th 2018. There was uh, an occurrence on steam where the early user reviews were so positive that steam uh restricted it based on algorithms because they were they couldn't believe uh, the algorithms were not capable of accepting how positive the early user <laughs> reviews were uh so that had some uh, he, greg lobanov says it didn't ultimately affect how the game did one way or the other but i would imagine it was First a bit of a downer and then a bit of an upper or possibly the other way, other way around anyway. Um, yeah, so he tweeted at the time uh, for, or from the Wondersong account, Wondersong Steam reviews are so good that Valve doesn't necessarily believe it's a real game <laughs> and still haven't enabled many basic features for us in case it's a bot trick, but it's real. For players asking why they can't set it as their favourite or feature game on their Steam profile, this is why. Sorry, we're just too good. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, what's the answer to that? You can't exactly say, like, can some of you give it a bad review, I guess? And see <laughs> yeah. if that's a... <laughs> but, yeah. Not gonna I work, guess the it? algorithm figured it out eventually. Yeah. Or, or somebody or went intervened. to Steam and said, hey, um, yeah. so <laughs> about that. Uh, the game arrived on PlayStation 4 in January 2019, and Greg Lobanov in Gaming Bolt said, the biggest new feature is the, dual, is the DualShock itself, the controller, which feels like it was just made for Wondersong. We made it light up in rainbow colours and make singing sounds when you play. And it also arrived on Xbox One in December 2019, which doesn't have those features, sadly. Uh, reviews wise, uh, didn't, I mean, it did really, really well with critics, not to, to the extent that you would have well, unless you were a Gamergator or something, thought it was fake. But from 43 <laughs> reviews, uh, it's got 84% uh, critical average and recommended by 85% of its critics. Uh, it was uh, official selection at a number of sort of indie awards things at PAX 10, um, uh, uh, the official selection at PAX 2017, uh, Day of the Devs official selection, same thing uh, fantastic arcade official selection that's the kind of thing it, i don't think it sort of romped away with lots and lots of uh, gongs of its own accord but it was nominated and put forward for a lot of those kinds of things sales absolutely no clue no figures anywhere that i can find so uh sean what's your history with the game why are you here um because you asked me to really exactly <laughs> why did i ask you uh, <laughs> so i um so I, I've like rationed this game out over a long period of time. Um, so I was initially told I should check it out when it first came out, just because yeah, sort of friends and stuff knew it's the kind of thing I would like. Um, I think I then waited until it came up in a Steam sale, um, and then waited again until. So I was doing my sort of weekly um, indie streams at the time, and I thought it would be a, a fun one to do for one of those. Um, yeah, streamed about an hour and a half of it and nearly cried twice. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, and then it was like, it was like, oh my God, this, this game is this sort of precious resource that I don't want to use up too quickly. So I would yeah. kind of go back to it sort of every few months and do a bit more and be like, oh, thank God for that. Um, and yeah, so, and then, and basically up to, yeah, so you asked me to uh, be on this show and I was like, right, good. That'll push me to finally finish it, which I did recently. So, uh, yeah. Marvellous. Leah, how about you? I genuinely don't know. Yeah, uh, so I, I am 
pretty into um, kind of rhythm games and, and and that whole genre, which this isn't exactly, but that's yeah. kind of the impression that I got when I yes. uh, looked into it at first. Uh, and I mean, there are some elements of that. There are some things that it has in common with your kind of standard rhythm game that we'll get into more. But uh, it appealed to me on that level and also on the level of I like Night in the Woods and uh, this very much you can tell that it has some of that DNA kind of in it. Um, so I picked it up on the Switch uh, pretty close to launch, but I didn't actually play it until I was preparing for the show. Um, right. And uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I am. Played it on the Switch uh, very recently. Okay, looking forward to finding out what you thought about it. It's going to be a real shame if we lay into this charming, wholesome, delightful, well-meaning game for the next two hours, isn't it? John? Yes. Is Spo that, spoilers, that I really like it, so there you okay. go. don't worry yet. <laughs> uh, John, I think overall, uh, without again, without spoilers, I think you said you were sort of slightly less uh, overwhelmed that, you know, you weren't crying into your handkerchief at the, at the sheer emotion of it, but, you know, you're a different personality. But what's your history with the game? Uh, I'm not entirely sure where I actually first heard about this game. I think it might have been just flicking through the the big sheet of video games that you keep for you know the purposes right. of saying whether you want to be on the show or not. Because okay. the first thing that I actually remember knowing about this was seeing it popping up in my my calendar at the beginning of the year or the end of last year, <laughs> saying that I was going to be recording a podcast about go. it. And I remember being on the forum or on the Slack channel and asking, what's Wondersong and why am I on the show? And I think Ryan was talking about it at the time, and it, I guess it transpired that I must have been looking down the sheet, as I do often, and saw something that I didn't recognise, probably Googled it, and saw that it said it was like a nice, charming relatively short little platformer and thought yeah, yeah i'd play that if somebody forced me to do so um so yeah we got <laughs> there to, you go got that's to, all it takes <laughs> well yeah i mean that's half of my picks on the on the yeah. uh, sheet if you want to go behind the curtain um so yeah i think that's about a year ago was my first real thought of oh i actually need to play this game that i don't know very much about and i think part of the reason why it was being talked about this time last year was because when it got released on the xbox one it was one of those games that came out immediately on Game Pass. Yes. Which is also probably why it was Ryan who was talking about it. Um, oh, yeah. So sure. it was it was kind of one of those obvious things of like, well, I don't know much about this game, but now I have to play it and I have easy access to it. So why not? And I presumably downloaded it at the time. Um, must have thought a little while later, maybe I'll, I'll get on that game that I didn't really know very much about. It sounded like it was short. It sounds fun. So I played it on the Xbox um, back in about June, and like um, uh, like you other two have already said, I sort of stretched it out a little bit as well. Like it's the sort of game that you could realistically you could sit down and play it in a couple of sittings if you were, mm -hmm. um, you know, really diligent about it. But I'm looking at like the timestamps on the achievements and stuff throughout the game, and it looks like I played it over the course of about two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. So. I, I kind of remember sitting down and being like, if I can do a section, because it's it's also broken up into acts and chapters, yes. so it's got very obvious points of starting and stopping. So I, I think I must have sat down and played it in maybe six or seven chunks, just a couple of hours each time enjoying it. And I then re-bought it on the Switch to play again for the show, just to refresh myself. And I didn't get all the way through it, but I think I played about half of it on the Switch as well. Very diligent. You see, I was uh, going to mentioning it being on Game Pass. So I, mm. um, yeah, got my Xbox Series S last month. Yeah, um, mm. 
And I was like, oh man, yeah, actually I could replay Wonder Song. As you say, it's not not a huge game, and I thought it'd be good to have a refresher. But then like a week later, it disappeared. Yeah, from game oh, yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah it yeah, must have been but- one of those year-long deals that came and went at yeah. the beginning of yeah. December each year. Mm. Yeah, slightly frustratingly. Yeah, that was my plan was to play it on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started it on me Xbox One. There's really not much to talk about the differences in the versions other than the PS4 and Xbox One versions have more anti-aliasing, mm. which is arguably a, a blessing, arguably not, because the slightly choppier art style of the Switch version sort of fits with the, yeah. with the visual motif. So, yeah, yeah, and there were a couple of little glitches on the Switch version um, when uh, right at the very end when it sort of reintroduces every character at once. My version was a little bit staccato there, which yeah, was a slight was pity. I also had one yeah. instance where it actually hard crashed on me, which I have never had a Switch Ooh, game oh, wow. do before. Um, only huh. happened once. Uh, I don't remember where it was. It was maybe halfway through the game. And the um, uh, the checkpoints are really good. So it, yes. it, mm. when I when I restarted... Uh, the the game right up again right after that I was basically right where I actually I do remember where it was it was during a boss fight uh and it actually had checkpointed like midway through the boss fight so I uh, mm. I didn't yeah. lose much yeah. at all but yeah it, I mean it hard crashed to the uh, to the um, I keep wanting to say the desktop uh to the um, just to the home screen <laughs> whatever you call it yeah uh, oh yeah so I essentially I started it on the Xbox. Uh, with the intention of finishing it on Game Pass, and then it got taken off, so I ended up buying myself a copy on Switch because it was on sale for five pounds at that exact point. So, good work, them. Mm. Good work, humble. Um, if I'd known about the multicolored lights and the singing controller, maybe I'd have gone for the PS4 version. That does but, sound uh, quite good. Yeah, sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like ten quid more, so yeah. you know, three times as much. All right, uh, our first piece of correspondence from the forum is from T-Bone254, who says, I played Wandersong on a whim at the beginning of the year, and I am so glad I did because of all the games I played this year, this one is my favourite. The art style is fun, if a bit simple, and the overall gameplay isn't very complex. The music great, and it has the most wonderful group of characters. The Bard and Miriam are the perfect complement to each other. One is an endlessly optimistic extrovert, the other a socially awkward introvert. The rest of the bunch are an incredibly diverse set of characters that set the stage for some really charming moments, like sailing around an ocean to the tune of singing coffee pirates, or forming a band with a guy that looks like a 1920s mobster. As the game progresses, some more emotional moments begin to work their way into the story, and some of these moments are really effective. I think the reason these moments were so effective for me is because the game is more about the characters than the overall objective of the story. Even though the Bard and Miriam are on an impossible quest to save the universe, the biggest challenges they face are the personal ones. As they conquer these challenges, the the changes they make are not unrealistically drastic. By the end of the story, Miriam hasn't turned into an overly optimistic extrovert that suddenly loves socialising. Rather, she is still her reserved, socially awkward self, with a little more self-awareness. I enjoyed the lack of violence in the game as well. I love my video game violence as much as anyone else, but it was a really nice change of pace to not kill everything in my path. Interestingly, this stance of pacifism made the few violent moments when playing as Audrey seem much more abrasive. After spending a couple of hours solving everyone's problems by singing and talking, regardless of how intimidating they look, Audrey's wanton slaughter of creatures in Wandersong seems much more barbaric. Wandersong was a real joy to play through. I'm not sure how well the game has sold, 
It's on multiple platforms, so I guess it's done fairly well, but I've not heard much about it. Even on this forum, there's very little correspondence about it, and that's such a shame because it really is a wonderful little gem. Greg Lobanoff says of the scenario and characters uh, of the scenario, Wonder Song takes you on a whimsical musical journey across the globe. Eons ago, the goddess Aya put the universe into motion with her music. Now, as she does every epoch or so, she's going to sing a new song and reset existence. You play as a lowly bard tasked with finding the pieces of a mysterious melody called the Earth Song, which is said to be able to preserve the planet. Use your singing to help characters solve puzzles and save the world it's interesting that yeah. that comes from the uh the, the actual creator or one of the creators mm. uh um mm -hmm. because i, I mean uh, for me a large part of the story was not so much that you were supposed to save the world it was a lot of right. it was are you is it even a good thing that you do save the world like should you be trying to save yeah. the world <laughs> uh and you know there is a character uh, we mentioned audrey uh in in the chorus uh the chorus <laughs> we mentioned audrey in the correspondence that you just read and you know she is coming at this from a completely different angle which is that everything is disintegrating everything's going evil she's trying to end the world because she thinks it's the best thing for the world up to a point and you know it's obviously it's more yeah. complicated than that but uh yeah it's <laughs> that simplification of the plot by the creator is is it is intriguing to me because like there's just so much more to it than that i thought yeah um and you meet 150 odd characters along the way uh which are yeah uh, i mean the, the word diverse has already been used um, uh, part of the one of the interviews I read with uh, with Greg was sort of saying because uh, he was asked about a couple of the characters being binary or not uh, confirmed that the bard their self is uh, themselves is not uh, is not necessarily defined by gender at all uh, but any pronouns are fine um, and the accordionist Ash is also non-binary you also meet uh, disabled people and uh well and a cast of j just genuinely very different looking characters even down to the sort of individual art style of the people involved um but i suppose yeah we can't talk about the characters without talking about the writing really which uh which is for me just infused with a kind of yeah a wholesome good naturedness it's not the case that everyone in the game is saccharine sweet or perfect or or anything like that but What's interesting is that although the kind of the, the overall message of the game are the, the it, messages of the game are the big ones, but uh, told in such a, a kind of um, honest and open way that is just very appealing in the way that, yeah, probably some of those uh, influences that, that Greg mentioned are. I think, yeah, it's, it's it could so easily have ended up being sort of irritatingly twee or, or saccharine, mm. as you say. It, it's, yeah, it's a very fine line they've, they've trodden with it and it works really well, as you say. It, it's just, yeah, there's a there's an honesty to it and a sort of, I don't know, just comes across very genuine and, and heartfelt throughout. Um, That's, I, was, I was having a really hard time describing the writing to uh I, I was mm. trying to do this not long ago uh and it I, I was having a difficult time because like i i think that it 
it does take some of the cues from something like a night in the woods to where it's yeah. like a little bit infused with kind of the internet uh, and i don't really know a better yeah. way to put it <laughs> but it has that mm-hmm. kind of writing but it's not quite as sharp as night in the woods was it, it really mm. is uh kind of leon like you were saying it, it is um it's nicer i think um and <laughs> and you know it does it does have a little bit of kind of that twee feel to it but but for me it was not an in an in a bad or an overwhelming way i th- i thought that it fit the game mm. yeah i think maybe there are fewer kind of obvious gags in this game mm. in the sense that it's not sort of constantly trying to make you laugh with knowing references that you know there's a few things there's a few anachronisms and contemporary nods but generally it's 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 yeah it's less kind of knowing and and winky than that yeah it feels to me very much like like the corners have been sanded off like it's it's just been made into this kind of nice um just it, it's very pleasant and very charming and there are some points in it like um with the the bard one of the i specifically really really connected with was the bit where um he's controlling the bugs to get them to do what he wants <laughs> and i mean it happens multiple times but audrey comes in and just immediately wants to kill them and he says no you can't kill those they're living creatures just the same as everybody else and that kind of something like that really strikes a tone with me where they always it feels like they're removing what could be the easy option. You know, this could just be a fight. You could just batter this character and, and that would be the end of it. And and the bard's response is, no, I'm going to try and sort this out in a pleasant way. We don't, you know, we don't need to always resort to violence. And it's a, it's a very weird thing with this medium because the, the like primary noun or verb in so many games is just immediately just go to kill this thing or wound this yeah. thing, damage yeah, this thing. Sure. And that solves all of your problems. And this idea of no, there's there's always a, a nicer way to deal with this. We don't always have to just remove the problem from the board. We can kind of, you know, change the change the situation in a in a, a less destructive way. And that's it's something that I feel probably as kind of you know hippy dippy leftists is a is kind of a, a truth ringing thing that you don't mm. just always destroy the enemy. You know, sometimes right. there are better ways of dealing with problems. I think, yeah, I think what's really key and I think the reason the writing works is that although that's obviously, yeah, what the game is trying to put across, the bard is kind of more or less alone in that. Like a lot of people kind of think the bard's an idiot or just a bit dumb or whatever. Like Naive. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think if, if, you know, the whole, like, you know, throughout the whole game, all characters were like, yeah, everything's everything's lovely and let's all be friends that it wouldn't work the same way would it it's like the like the bard's commitment to non-violence is what creates conflict especially with with audrey and i think that's why it works because it's actually yeah like it, it it's it doesn't come across as twee because actually the bard is like so committed to you know being the way they are that like that and that's what creates conflict with others rather than it just you know if everyone was just on the same page it wouldn't be half as interesting i don't think yeah, his attitude is kind of this out there thing that even the characters that you're, you know, you're working on the same side as, like Miriam, mm. sort mm. of slowly have to start to learn. Oh my god, yes. you're so annoying, just wanting to sing at everything. <laughs> but by the time you get part way through it, and amazingly, just singing at everything and talking to everything has actually worked in a way yeah, that yeah. it one hundred percent would not work in in a real sort of 
society like we live in. Yeah, um, and especially like when you because you know, and you sort of think, oh, well, maybe the bards come from a place that that is all you know that, that's like this, and everyone's everyone's happy and, and gets along, and then you find out where the bard actually comes from, and it's like, oh wow, they really had to break out of this this horrible, you know, gloomy town to to be the person they are, and yeah, I just think that's far more interesting. Yes, and bard, whoever it is, they are. Uh, yeah, wears these uh, clothes, and the first time you see that that visual, you sort of think, okay, so the game is set in that kind of a world, but actually, no, the guy, the guy or the gal, uh, dresses, sort of, they have their own style. People yeah. comment on it, like, why are you wearing that funny old hat with a feather in it? Well, I'm a bard, <laughs> like. That's it the that's he, the sort of they get questioned at one point about the weird clothes and the response is like, Well, I made them myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also love yeah. like the number of times that yeah, the bard's like, Oh well, I'm a bard and people are like, Oh, I don't really know what that is, but okay. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not even a real like a known quantity to most people. That's right. One of the things that uh Greg Lobanov said was um one of the reasons he picked a bard was simply because he always thought they were funny. Like it's, it's a funny idea. And actually, if you think about playing monster hunter, I know a game, which uh, mm-hmm. you all, I think you all play mm-hmm. uh, is like being a bard in monster hunter traditionally is kind of like, it's, it's really awesome and can be really powerful, mm. but it's funny. It's funny that anyone <laughs> chooses to be one in this game that is about smashing the horns and teeth off of monsters faces. I'm going to stand there and, play a tune blow on a pipe and yeah yeah (laughs) yeah uh and the other thing i think that's really important to get across about the bard's character is that uh in various scenes which i think are some of my favorites in the game particularly the 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 club scene where he and miriam sort of finally have a heart to heart yeah miriam have been uh, miriam we should say is uh is a a young witch who's who ends up going on the journey with the bard Uh, Yes, she's an introvert where he's an extrovert. She's kind of, you know, cranky and, uh, yeah, just a totally different personality type to the bard. But, of course, you know, they bond over their adventures. They help each other out. Then there's this scene, yeah, in in this uh, club, in this one town that you go to, where they both kind of really open up about their own self-image and self-doubts. And that was just, it's, it's just a dialogue scene. You're just pressing... A, uh, while the characters are kind of dancing their two-frame animations <laughs> and this kind of su- pseudo-clubbish music is kind of pumping away. But I just thought that was such a delightful scene. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's completely optional as well, right? Yeah, I was wondering that. It yeah. seems like you could that. just miss it because I don't think you have to go there yeah. to uh, to progress that part of the story. Yeah, oh no, I I'm, yeah. I'm completely agree. I was going to bring that scene up as well because I... I I really liked Miriam as as a character. Uh, yeah. I I don't think it's too much of anyone's surprise that I really identify with a snarky introvert who uh, likes to blow things up. Like I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm good with uh, with Miriam. We we mesh pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that that whole scene is really is really nice because you know you don't even I think maybe especially if it is uh, if it is optional because you don't really have to find her there. She's just kind of doing her own thing while you're off, you know, looking for whoever it is you're looking for at that point. Uh, but if you talk to her, and you can talk quite a few times uh, to get all of mm. the dialogue out of it, which is actually something that happens with a lot of the characters that you run into. Like, I I 
stopped exhausting all of the dialogue options for everybody because it like it was just taking so long um but but a lot yeah. of it is is really interesting you know and you, you can talk to some of these people four or five times and they'll have different stuff to say and not all of it is completely like relevant or useful or anything but it's all this unique dialogue i, I would be interested to hear how kind of how much writing there was for this because it seems like there must have been a lot um but but that particular scene mm. Um, is nice because you know you just kind of Miriam is just dancing and you know if you go over there and say hi to her you know she she will kind of go on this um, this uh, kind of chain of conversation that is you know her just saying that she's kind of figuring things out as she's going and now she's figured out that maybe she just likes to dance because it feels good and then <laughs> you know eventually she just kind of says i kind of want to be alone now and then you know you leave her alone but uh hmm. it i i liked that little it, it gave some insight into that character uh that wasn't just a you know i'm i'm a stereotypical cranky person who is only with you because i have to be you know it's it is a journey for her as well as for the bard yeah, and I love the way that you know she questions the bard. You know, she says like, "How do you do it? How do you, you know, how are you just so effortlessly chirpy all the time?" <laughs> and I forget the the exact wording of the bard's response, but it's basically they're just like, like it, like they can't help it, but that doesn't mean there's no effort involved. Like it's really hard yeah. to do. It. <laughs> yeah, but it's just how they're wired, you know. Yeah, and there is of course a section where when the bard finds out that they are not actually the chosen one they are the unchosen one in this story the bard gets down for a while like actually the 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 singing voice mechanically that uh they do a whole thing where the singing becomes really thin and reedy Mm. and melancholic and his whole face his whole demeanor changes that's really hard to deal with when your Mm. character's been uh been unremittingly chirpy for the whole time and i think that's true in Knowing people in real life, like you know, people who have that that outlook, that that disposition, maybe maybe they are blessed with just a larger than their own their fair share of serotonin or whatever it is. <laughs> we all have different chemical balances, but when those people in your life do get affected by something, that's it's I find it's even harder to to deal with. Yeah, it's that sense of like, oh God, well if they're in trouble, then what's you know the rest <laughs> God of us help us all, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> The 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 whole twist with you know Audrey and and uh, mm. yeah um, finding out you're not the hero or maybe you are like it's not you know as, as you get further on it's sort of like we you were both told that you were the hero at one point but who yeah. knows and it just yeah I love the fact that you know it, it's a good twist you know sort of within this game but just it's just a great take on yeah you know like how many games have we all played where you know you're the the chosen one chosen by the gods to do this one specific thing and i just love the, the idea that it's like well what if the gods just sort of went well let's hedge our bets let's maybe <laughs> get a couple of people involved and tell them different things and <laughs> yeah and different you know strats, see what yeah. appears to be working yeah, yeah yeah um yeah and it's that and obviously you know but like the difference between the bard and audrey is that the bard's like you know upon finding out that they're not necessarily the chosen one bard's just like oh Right, okay. And sort of, as I say, gets quite down about it, whereas Aura, she's just like, no, I am the chosen one. I'm the hero. Like, that's the, <laughs> and it's that sort of dogmatic, um, you know, like she just won't be shaken from that, that makes her dangerous, right? The obliviousness to the fact that maybe although she is doing the heroic thing, it might not actually be the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
the conclusion to the game proves that it was absolutely not the only option. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I, that's that's part of kind of what makes a lot of the characters in this game interesting is even with Audrey, who, you know, is is the antagonist, basically, nobody's really framed right. as being a bad person. Uh, they might be yeah. doing things for the wrong reasons, but Audrey's not. I, I think the bard might might at some point say something like, "I think she's evil" or whatever. But she doesn't really mm. turn out to be. She's just kind of doing what she was told, and then you know she kind of gets into it a little bit too much. But the goal is never to defeat Audrey. It's just to kind of get around her and you know, yeah, and, and, and yeah. make her see what the right thing was. Um, yeah, I, I don't. The winning condition is not, you know, to have triumphed over her. It's just to have to have made her see ideally what what uh, what is beneficial about the uh, the world being saved rather than destroyed. Mm. Yeah, I suppose I think one of the the game's sort of many big themes is uh, sort of um, free will versus fate or destiny as well, and 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 how actually um, kind of chaos wins out in this case because you have got these multiple forces kind of sort of going for the same aim but a slight but coming at it from a very different point of view um and i wonder if um if the that that 10 minute section i think it is or or thereabouts where you find your it's sort of an intermission i think it's billed as where you end up playing as audrey mm. uh whether uh, uh our, our first correspondent there mentioned it talking about it feeling very jarring yeah, but I wonder horrible. if that, yeah, <laughs> was that, was, was, do you think that was the, the, the sole purpose or was it also to try to give us some, either some empathy with, with Audrey's, uh, reasons for, for her quest? Maybe I, I, I just found it, yeah, like, I just found it quite disturbing. And, and obviously, again, it's sort of a, not necessarily a criticism of other games, but obviously the implication is like, this is the stuff you do in, in most other games and you think it's good fun. Whereas here, it's you know viewed through a lens of like oh no actually this is kind of horrific hurting these really lovable creatures as well these you know the, I, I think the, we should say the the overseers are the kind of the guardians of this song that that bard is trying to learn to save the world from this end of its cycle mm-hmm. and all the guardians uh, although they they can sometimes appear scary normally when they show their their form and their their little guardian fairies who at the end kind of morph into the next uh, set of overseers, they're all really lovable, and kind of, I think as, as far uh, as I remember, there might be some exceptions. There is one that is just kind of an old-looking guy. <laughs> then uh, yeah, I think he's true. a fairy. That's he true. then turns into just a very standard-looking guy, and that's kind of yeah. He's not like the, yeah, the nice-looking cat or the goofy-looking fish thing. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. yeah, it's it's not like horrific. It's just a bit mundane-looking. But it's yeah, it's it's a it's a far cry from I think the section where you play as Audrey, uh, she's either either gone back or it's, it's either something that happened after um, the events that you took yeah. place in, or it's something that is now happening consecutively with after she destroys the Overseer in, I think it's the ruins where you are. I think it's yeah. the third one that you find. You then see the scene where she's back in the area that you were in previously sort of working her way through and eventually killing the overseer there. And yeah, it's, I don't really ever get the idea that you're supposed to look at this and think, well, this is, this is fine. Audrey thinks she's having kind of a, a fun, cool time shooting lightning out of a sword and frying all these cute dopey looking bats out of the sky. 
Um, and it, it's got this weird thing where the the kind of the boss fight in it. I, I don't know whether it's just my my own kind of brain making connections aren't really there, but it felt very kind of Zeldery having this bird yeah. drop down from the top of the screen, and you've got to charge up your sword with lightning and fire it at them as they're as they're coming towards you. Oh, definitely mm. some. So there's quite a few bits of Zelda in this game. I would say uh, there were quite yeah, a few moments. Yeah, there's some very that, explicit references and things, and so, and oh. yeah, some audio references as well, stuff like that. And one of the things that I really liked about some of the music sections, um, I, I haven't completely tested this, but you know, there are multiple sections throughout the game where you're forced to do almost a kind of a guitar hero-y style, move the move the stick around and hit the notes that come through. Yeah. Although and, there's very little punishment, we should say, for well, any that, yeah, kind of failures. Yeah, that's in what game. I was going to say. I don't think it's actually possible to fail it. And if you yeah. don't get the notes right, it sounds pretty horrendous, but it still yeah. it still always finishes. So it seemed like a yeah. very nice kind of accessibility thing. Of we're going to sort of give you this timed thing that you need to play along with, but actually you don't really need to worry too much about. It. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. some sort of fake peril in the game, which uh, which confused me at times. I'd say if I did have a kind of an annoying, picky, dry, cane and rinse style criticism of the gameplay in this is that there were times when i didn't think it was entirely clear what i was either supposed to be doing in in some of those in some of the more kind of visually elaborate sections which i know sounds weird talking about a game that looks like cardboard cutouts but um and and where i felt like again maybe it's gaming conditioning i'm expecting fail states i'm expecting if i if even like the final battle is a good example uh, when you're actually kind of facing down Audrey, I just couldn't really tell if I was doing the right things or not. It it just carried on and sort of subtly kept changing. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I was down to the like the final. You're protecting the Dream King, the, the this this big cat, um, and you're fighting with Miriam. And I just and I just thought, yeah, based on the way this game's gone so far, I'll just keep playing, and eventually something will change. Um, and that is that is how it went down. But I think maybe there could be a little bit more sort of uh, dialogue between the player, between what, what you're trying to achieve and what is being achieved. But it's a minor. Interesting. Uh, I didn't get to experience this because I think I unlocked one achievement in my hour or whatever it was in Act 1 of, of the Xbox version. Obviously, the Switch version has no achievements. But uh, according to TV Tropes Trivia, achievement mockery. Most of the 75 achievements, 75, by the way, can't be earned by the bard, but are actually earned by the hero, Audrey, and as such are out of your control to unlock, which enforces the bard's status as the unchosen one. <laughs> yes. That actually sounds pretty funny. Yeah, because like, yeah. It, it, I mean, you only play as her for that, that kind of one very short sequence. Yeah. So if most of them are hers, I imagine they're just like constantly popping off. Which would be pretty funny, given how she sees herself. Like, yeah, of course I'm getting all yeah. of these trophies and achievements, because why wouldn't I be? I'm the chosen one. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, so before we move on to so talk about a bit more about some of the locations, uh, just wanted to ask you each, uh, any other of the cast of colourful and diverse characters, any other favourites that stood out for you? I, I'm particularly fond of Captain Lucas. <laughs> the uh, the salty sea dog and his uh, and his shy love for uh, for the red headed mermaid. The um, pirates are pretty good. Uh, I I love the the band that you play with in yeah, Delphi. I was going to yeah. say come back um, later. Ash particularly, um, yeah. I thought was amazing. The whole thing with their, mm. uh, you know their uh, late 
uh, mom and helping them communicate and stuff. Yeah, it was really was, moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really magical. And then, you know, when you discover the, is it the wind song uh, from Ash um, at the at the gig, um, I just thought, yeah, that was stunning. Absolutely love that. Yeah, those mm. and um, also the, uh, I, I liked the little um, kind of side bit with the uh, the two trolls that you meet when you're yeah, uh, when yeah. you're traveling through the cave and you know one of them almost takes you out and then says oh well i you know i'm just upset because you know this this weird crazy person stunned my boyfriend with lightning and and you know you go back and obviously audrey has been through here and you mm. know you you help them out and then they show up again later on, so uh, it, I I like that. Oh, that it's that bit. it's that line from the yeah the one that was frozen, um, and he says like the, the worst part was that I could still see you worrying about me being frozen, and that was oh man. Uh, uh, also, shout out to the lamplighter in, in uh, which town is the lamplighter in? Rushes around. There's the there's this whole the section where town, yeah, the I, factory town. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called, but uh, yeah, I kept trying to talk to them, and uh, I no. don't think that you can. No, no, <laughs> but they just rush from lamp to lamp. Yeah, whole. I mean, that's sort of interesting that with each with each new location, uh, obviously a, a new cast of characters are introduced, but also often new mechanics, mm. such as in that very section where it's got this whole kind of um, Majora's Mask or or dare I use a deeper cut Gregory Horror Show style <laughs> um, uh, real time based thing. So you've got to be here when this this, you know, this time for this thing to open or or for this person to go by. It's very simple. It's quite cut, sort of, cut, it's cut down. It's not like the, the all the bombers, uh, the bombers club side quests in Majora's Masks where you Majora's Mask where you have to really kind of go through jump through a lot of hoops to to track everyone down but um but i was like suddenly oh this this feels fresh and different and and, and that that brings us on to the locations in the sense that i think uh he did a really good job of making each area or each you know, town city space region feel different but Yes, there is a there is a snowy mountain and uh there are some sort of recognizable spaces but he absolutely doesn't go through the 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 check box of video game locations. Um, in an interview with lootpots.com, uh, he was asked, are all of the locations you go to in Wondersong inspired by real places? And uh, Greg Lobanov answered, the most clear one is that there was this town I stayed in called Langtree in Texas that I remember fondly. It was a really, really tiny town in the middle of a desert that had literally 13 people that lived in it. In Wandersong, the first town you go to is called Langtree, but it's kind of the same idea, a really small town and that community feeling. The second place you go in Wandersong is called Delphi, which is kind of named after Philadelphia. But then past that, it's all very mishmash. Nothing is supposedly one place. It's just supposed to be like a region or a bunch of random ideas. I didn't want anyone to play the game and be like, oh, I'm in Russia now. Here's Japan or here's Honduras. I didn't feel like I had the capacity to just go around the world and give you an honest picture of what these places were like, but I wanted to give you an idea of I'm visiting different places that are exotic. Yeah, because you see, you know, sort of it, certainly in terms of the architecture and stuff, it's you know pulls from sort of all over the place, but they're all so close together that yeah, it's like as he says, it's not like you're going to different towns and being like, oh, this entire town is themed on 
you know, this this place or this country or whatever. It's all so sort of mishmash that it's just it's nice. I like it. Um, but I see what he means about not necessarily wanting to tie like certain places in the game to mm. certain places in real life. Yeah, I think what really helped with that was Leon, like you were saying, there's 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 really kind of different, not drastically different for the most part, but there are different slants on the mechanic uh, mm. of of singing kind of in each location. Mm. Um, and, and some like that, the time mechanic are, are more different than others, but you, you know, you, you don't always have a world map that you are going through where you are, your entire crew is singing to guide your ship from island <laughs> to island, which I loved that. That was great. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's always like just something that's at least a little bit different uh, mechanically about each of these towns that, uh, that I thought helped keep it, keep it from feeling like it was getting old, you know, like you're not just doing the exact same singing thing every time. There's, there's always something that's a little bit uh, yeah. changed. Yeah. I really like the way that it's like, yes, you are singing, but it's sometimes it's the, like the direction that you're pushing in to sing a certain note. It's like, it's the literal direction in like physically in the world that's relevant. And sometimes it's the color of the note that, you know, on the, on the wheel, um, which I thought was a, a nice way of playing with it as well. Like, the fact that certain notes will move things in in certain directions or or trigger certain switches, certain colors, or, or whatever. Mm. Personal favorite of mine. Um, I've completely forgotten the name of the place, but the you know the yeah. underground city where all the the witches live. Yes, uh, um, is it Charndesh or yes? Is it yeah? Is it yeah? I think yeah. I think that's right. Charndesh, um, yes, with the crystals. And yeah, the and it's like on the ceiling. Yeah. And for about fifteen minutes, it's a little Metroidvania kind of. You get different songs that do different things with those magic blocks, and then yeah, and yeah, each one you get, you're like, oh right, cool, I can go back to this place and then walk up this wall or make this block disappear. And yeah, I love that. That's yeah. kind of neat story wise too, because the explanation for why you can do that is that music basically just is a really primitive form of magic That's which right. yeah, i yeah, thought yeah, was kind of yeah. cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah that totally. felt very um uh, sort of edifying for the bard as like, this is the place where his his particular skill uh, is is really at home that's right. He says he kind of says well i can't get around cuz i can't do magic and they say well yeah you can yeah <laughs> uh jobo bonobo from the forum says this was a perfect way to end what has been a pretty rubbish year. This game has such chill, positive vibes that I was always in a good mood after a session. With its happy-go-lucky atmosphere, the world ending in Wonder Song does not seem like that big of a deal, but I was very surprised by how they do up the stakes considerably. In fact, it's only the chipper attitude of the bard that contrasts with the general downer of the world ending in the latter half of the game twist of the mighty hero being the real villain was well done and having the big scary monster help you in the final battle against her was a nice subversion of final boss battles in general. I had no idea what to expect when I started this and Wandersong was a real delightful surprise from start to finish. If you're expecting a challenge look elsewhere but if you want a fun world with a large and diverse set of characters and interesting scenarios then I heavily recommend this. Uh, we'll talk probably more about the uh, the themes and philosophies of the game when we come back to that conclusion hmm. uh, we haven't really talked about the graphics yet uh, again in that loot pots interview greg was asked visually wonder song looks unique and unlike a lot of under other indie titles how did the game's style develop uh, there were a lot of bad ideas before i landed on that one as a personal goal i've been trying not to do pixel art for my last however many years now just because it's the default thing to do to go to when you're making an indie game and it's relatively easy 
I like doing pixel art, or I did, but I, li I like taking a second or third idea just to find some way to stand out. So I was looking for stuff that wasn't pixel art, and really what it came down to was that I wanted the shape of the world to be really jaggy, erratic, and paper cut feeling. I wanted the game to feel really expressive and random, not tiled, and not patterned. Uh, mission accomplished, I would say. Uh, I love, I absolutely love good pixel art, as I'm sure we all do, but I think we'd probably also all agree that there are arguably too many games and developers doing it now. So mm. while, again, your first look at this game might be, well, this looks like a children's animation or something like that, uh, I found it very easy to to like it uh, as I as I got into it, and particularly the kind of, some of the contrasting uh, color palettes of the different locations. I was going to say uh, it's the yeah, it's the color palettes for me that really do it. Um, yeah, just really yeah, clearly you know, I'm not qualified to explain why, but yeah, just mm. most locations in the game, it was just you know, it's yeah, it's not it's not about the the detail or or anything. It's just yeah, it's all pretty striking. I feel like this is a well that I come back to very often because my personality might be quite strongly influenced by things that happened when I was a kid. But mm -hmm. to me, this looked like something that you would have played as a Flash game in like 2000. <laughs> yeah. like the characters, especially the Bard, but a lot of it kind of looks like it's it's got that sort of Microsoft Paint, like somebody's drawn a circle with Microsoft Paint to make this <laughs> dude's head. And then lots of them have speech bubbles that look very kind of clip arty with mm. fonts drawn Different into the fonts, speech yeah. bubbles that are straight out of like a Word 98 font package. Yeah. And lots of the characters, they have their own specific font for when they're talking. Yeah. That's beautiful because mm. like, yeah, the band leader, he talks in bold because yeah. uh, in a slightly different font. And it totally makes his, makes sense. Whereas the, mm. the slightly upper self violinist has a sort of uh, serif font. Mm. We're you know like a, a, a italicized yeah. sort of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it works yeah. really well that yeah yeah I I had uh, two things one was night in the woods uh, that yeah, that I sure. mentioned before it, it it shares a lot of that visual DNA uh, with night in the woods but also um, this one's a little weirder um, so I don't know how many of you watched uh, South Park but uh, the Terrence and Phillip. Terrence and Philip yeah yeah and I mean I'm, I have to imagine that that was that was intentionally uh some on some level i have to imagine that was at least a little bit totally <laughs> yeah. which again fits with the yeah the, yeah, the, the yeah, paper craft exactly. thing even mm. though i mean i know they're coming I'm pretty from sure. the same place yeah how many series was south park actually made with paper it was only like one wasn't it? I think, and then they just uh, moved probably. to computers pretty much immediately but yeah it was at one point um yeah. paper based and i believe point. uh greg lobanoff was canadian originally then moved to america so obviously he's I got think it a might have been the other way Philly. around, actually. I think he's from Philadelphia and he is in Canada, uh, if I was yeah. reading the webpage correctly. Oh, but, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. So he went uh, the right way. What though? <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy, yeah, um, one of the interviews where they're like, oh, where's the best cheese steak? And mm. oh, bless it, like he answers the question extensively, yeah. <laughs> but it basically culminates in like, yeah, it's wherever, it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> yep, it don't like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, isn't it a thing that basically like, the cheesesteak is it's not really that big a deal, it's fine, like get over it. Sort of, I mean, they're very good. I mean, people so people in Philadelphia are snobs about their cheesesteaks, but okay. it's not really <laughs> like a I don't know. It's 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 not a big deal if you live here yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the kind of more interesting parts about the the thing you just read um from Greg talking about the the locations is 
he says uh, Delphi is kind of named after Philadelphia. Yeah. I never made that connection. I thought no, it was Delphi I. as in like the ancient Greek city Delphi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what thereof. I thought. Yes, yeah. so did I. <laughs> well, is but the I Delphi think that's in Philadelphia from, from the Greek? I think so. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I haven't lived here that long, so um, I'm not <laughs> sure, but uh, I, I, I have to imagine that, yeah, probably originally was, yeah. had that as part of the naming. Joba Bonobo of the art says uh, the art style has a lovely preschool arts and crafts style that mostly works with the setting and offers great juxtaposition when things get a bit heavy. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I suppose uh, an oft cited example would be uh, the famous, well, multiple Pixar moments, but, you know, the opening of Up, the end of Coco, that sort of where, you know, you are watching this very colourful child-friendly or family-friendly cartoon and then suddenly things get real and they talk about heavy matter and in fact in some ways that juxtaposition makes it more uh or can make it more affecting than if yeah. it was just you know grown-up adults in adult clothes in adult settings normal settings just talking even for those of us you know middle-aged man such as myself like i i certainly haven't found that as i've got older i've shied away from uh, embracing things with a fantastical or whimsical art style far from it um i still think those those are incredibly valid ways of of telling a story and i, I mean yes i suppose i've only ever thought about why in the context of trying to uh, yeah what i'm not doing now of um <laughs> of articulating things on a podcast <laughs> uh, audio wise well obviously the music is a huge integral part of this whole experience. Um, I guess if you ended up hating the music, all of it, uh, the game would probably not land for you at all, I guess. Uh, the game's audio was co-produced with uh, a shell in the pit, or aka Gordon McGladdery, or Gord, who also worked on The Duelist, Parkitect and Rogue Legacy, which is one I have played. Composed the game's music and uh, M. Halberstadt, who also worked on Night in the Woods, was a sound design director. So I think the three of them must have had a lot of uh, cross-pollination with what they did because it's also, it, you know, the, the story is integral to the music, is integral to the, the, the sound design and so on. Like they're, they're symbiotic in this case, I would think. Something I will yeah. say too is um, if... I wouldn't say do this before you play the game, but if you do end up playing the game and enjoying it, um, I spent some time listening to some of the soundtrack without the game um, right. because I think that uh, it's not that it gets lost, it's that it's utilized in such a different way when you're actually playing as opposed mm. to when you are actually just kind of listening to it that it, it almost has a different impact. And it's still, I, I, I really still enjoyed uh, the, the soundtrack um just kind of listening to it in the background while i was working um and uh yeah I, I i do recommend looking that up i think it's all on youtube uh, and yeah. i believe he's got a band camp maybe um yep that, it's that you can, yeah uh, it's on spotify his... as well yeah, and there's, okay. there's tons of it too there's like i think it's in two yeah, volumes it's a lot of tracks yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which um, you would expect from a game that has yeah. <laughs> music involved in it yes. um the what i really loved um yeah just from a you know, sound design stroke programming point of view, the sections where, um, so, you know, there's quite a few instances where you're, you know, when rather than the bards just saying, you know, the dialogue just sort of getting reeled off, you know, you yeah. actually sort of tap it out as a, as a rhythm. And yes. 
but then there are you know there are quite long sections of those sometimes where it's like it is like a song um yeah. and you're sort of you know doing these verses and then occasionally the chord will change or the Mm. Um, you know, or you'll get to the end of a phrase, and there'll be like a symbol crash and stuff. And you sort of, after a while, you're like, "Oh yeah, I could play this at any speed I want," and everything else is just kind of working around it. Um, and that's really nicely done, I thought, because obviously, you know, there, there are plenty of sections where you are sort of, you know, doing songs to a set rhythm. But it, you know, those bits, it feels like you're allowed a bit of expression, and it works really nicely, I think. Yeah, there's something about those uh, those pieces you mentioned where you're actually delivering uh, exposition, as mm. it were, through song that mm. uh, I found that, again, some just moving in itself. And it's partly mm. the, the audio design for those sections, although you can kind of, you can, yeah, you can mess around with it to a, to a certain extent. But I found myself trying to express the import of what the message was those yeah. those those sections always tended to be like really crucial critical pieces of information from one character to another that would mm. potentially change the course of this whatever fantasy world we're on's history and uh and they were the moments where the bard was absolutely kind of giving it their most you know their their sort of most pure and heartfelt kind of renditions mm. or sometimes channeling Yes. Else as well, there's a whole section where you have uh, I've forgotten a name, but the yeah, the the spirit um, of that uh, ha, ha, name started with an H, didn't she? Yeah. The ghost, yes, yeah, Hala, she, Hala. That's right, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, the, there are sections the, the where deceased she, like, sister who ran away, yeah, yeah, and she sort of bursts out of you and sort of delivers these, as you say, these sort of incredibly sort of heartfelt um, bits of dialogue or exposition, and it's yeah, it's really beautifully done. Mm. At the same time, I mean, it's some very frustrating bits with that where you go through what feels like this entire quest with the, the the ghost girl inside you and you think, oh, it's fantastic. We'll get to the end of this, you know, talk to the, uh, talk to the queen at the end and the, you know, they'll all understand mm. and it'll all be great. And it just completely flops. Like yeah. you, you don't <laughs> succeed in what you're doing at all. And it's, yeah, such, it's a, horrible it's such a moment, crushing that, thing. Yeah. Cause you're just like, I've just brought your daughter's ghost to see you, to tell you this. And now she's mm. gone forever, and you're going, ah, she's naive, though, isn't naive, she? Naive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Really yeah. horrible. Yeah. Well, that's the point. It, all, it all works the out in the end, harsh. though. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, at the time, it is extremely frustrating. <laughs> uh, talking about the fundaments of the old uh, gameplay, as we do, because we should, because if these things were broken, uh, we might not be so kindly disposed towards the rest of the game. Jobo Bonobo says the controls are really simple, but they managed to squeeze a lot out of the setup using your voice. You can navigate a pirate ship, operate locks in ancient temples, encourage plants to grow and so much more. Yeah, just talking about the the basic getting around. Uh, I don't think we need to dwell on it for too long, but like, it's fine. <laughs> you jump. It's responsive enough. Uh, it's I didn't find I didn't really get frustrated at any point because even the challenges where like you were saying about the, the the trickier parts with the wind currents or the globular platforms you fall off you have to do it again normally you get it right maybe the third or fourth time mo at most um but yes uh, if fundamentally the bard is responsive to your inputs on the controller um, this is this is my my gamergate star review <laughs> <laughs> of 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 the of a heartfelt song got uh, based seven game. levels it's got the, these are the controls <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah i mean i had a few instances of getting snagged on scenery and stuff yeah. but as you say it's forgiving enough in other ways um it's not really a problem i was a bit unnerved when i, cause I first started playing it because you know you, you can press up on the yeah uh, the left uh, stick to jump and i was like oh yeah. no not one of these, is it? Um, but it's, it makes sense. Obviously, it's optional. You can use A to jump as well. But or, a, or a shoulder button. There's, uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. Never yeah. mind that. Um, but obviously, yeah, you realise it, it makes sense because you are often using, you know, you might be jumping while you're using your right yes. thumb to sing. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's R1 or whatever. Okay. The equivalent is, uh, I found quite, quite handy for that. Mm-hmm. The one thing we absolutely must mention we went to town on it in our uh, uh, A Boy and His Blob show. The game had a singular button. Uh, you may remember we mentioned it once or twice if you listen to that podcast. I do. <laughs> that did nothing, but but everything at the same time. A game that mechanically and uh, intrinsically, I think that would be the right way around, did nothing, but extrinsically it added so much. In that game is the hug button. In this game... It's the dance button. Greg Lobanov <laughs> says it literally does nothing. That's not actually true. Yet I think it is maybe the most important thing in the game. Um, I mean, it is. It I. It's no hug button, but <laughs> I did really appreciate the dance button, especially since you can get different dances. Um, I I don't know how many there are. I think I ended up no, I don't. Like, uh, there's four. eight. In I got four. There's yeah. eight. Oh eight. wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. I did not find all of them. Then <laughs> maybe I'll have to play it again. <laughs> um. But yeah. I. I. <laughs> I was kind of amusing myself. I'm having these very serious conversations with. Uh, <laughs> with um, uh, in the in the uh, club when you're talking to Miriam. And, you know, I'm just randomly switching my dance style every so often so that I'm just kind of, you know, <laughs> of course. doing How a could shuffle you not? across like, the During floor, that yeah. scene, though, isn't she dancing the whole time, doing her little oh, yeah. two-frame like, dance? I think oh. she's doing, yeah, I was going to say, I think she's doing the same dance the whole time. I was changing the entire well, the, time. Well, yeah, because, like, she's, like, like moshing, right? And then you're sort of pirouetting around her and it's yeah, <laughs> nice, doing nice a hot shoe shuffle. Well, one of your yeah. possible dances is very similar to how her um, how her little... Side to side, yeah. There's a kind goes, of shoegazy but... or or kind of psychedelic <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So you meet this character called Mask, who I think they teach you all your dances. Uh, and sometimes you bump into them in a town, and they'll say, "Hey, there's a secret place somewhere around here. If you find me there, something good will happen." And I think that's all where all the dances come from. Ah, right. Yeah, I didn't get any mm-hmm. of those. Although uh, I, I'd, I'd love your uh, attention to detail on the the pirouetting. I, I don't know if you noticed the bar does a thing where you know they. You sort of, you're trying to look in one direction most Spotting, of the time. Spotting, yeah. 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 I was like, oh, yeah, like sorry, cats I do it, yeah. I figured there would be a proper term for that. But um, yeah, the yeah, uh, bard does that. I just thought that was a nice um, nice touch. I love this. Uh, particularly, there are some scenes where there's, uh, in the sort of cut out clip art type stuff, there's foreground things like pillars. So my favourite thing was to go s- dance sideways along the screen and then change style behind the pillar so you come out doing a different dance it's just really funny um i i I also wanted to uh i made sure that at the very very end of the game your final act is to literally go home you go in you go in the door of your house i absolutely did the little the first dance he gets i absolutely did that back into his house for the very last moment of the game it felt it felt wrong to do anything else it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And like, I thought, you know, I, I don't think I noticed that you could dance until the first time I met the the mask guy. 
uh, or girl or whatever. I don't mm. know. Uh, they don't say. But no. um, when I met them for the first time, I was like, oh, cool. There's a dance. I wonder if this is going to play into the mechanics at all. No, nope. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's <laughs> just for funsies. And I appreciate it's the dance that. button. But as you say, once once you've got it, every time you're doing singing, every time you just stood there waiting for the little Guitar Hero style uh, things to come round in the in the circle. You got to be dancing at the same time, and you got to do the one that looks the dumbest while you're doing it. <laughs> I think I think my absolute favorite is the pirouette because you can get it very very early on. And mm. I mean, this I don't know if it's actually faster than just the way that the the bard normally runs, but the way that it looks with him just kind of <laughs> gliding across the floor, ah. it looks like it's like a speed upgrade. And that'll a- be the second game this year where because Paper Mario. We, we we all pirouetted everywhere because it's the fastest way to get around. <laughs> You'd have got, to check you, with the speedrunners for that yeah, one. Yeah, you've got to try it out. But there's a bit where you're in the city with the factory. I think it's called Chai Mesh or Kai Mesh or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And the entire time at, when you're in that city, as somebody mentioned before, like the bard looks sad. And when you try and sing, the singing voice is like really reedy. But you yeah. can still pirouette around as you're as you're <laughs> you? moving, and the pirouetting animation as as you move across the floor with his with the eyes that just look so downcast. It's, oh no! It's amazingly like I don't want to say it's bad, but it just looks so incongruous. I like that. Yeah, it's it's tragic. very good. I think the word you're looking for is tragic. <laughs> Uh, there's uh, there's uh, some puzzling in the game, shall we say? Some bits and bobs here and there. Um, most of it involves the uh, the the sort of the the right stick mechanic, the singing in some way. Um, but there's a few bits like there's uh, there's a sort of stealth section almost where again, where you it's it's uh, it's rather like stealth ink or stealth bastard yeah. that game where you're actually hiding beneath. Uh, and quite a few other games have used this now uh inside and things like that but um hiding in from vision in shadows and and then making your move and uh grabbing a key and then rushing to the door and all this kind of thing how did, uh, how did everyone feel about that section because i i didn't really like it and i it, think <laughs> and i don't think it's anything gameplay wise i think it's just the fact that it was actually a little bit i mean again you know we know how lenient the game is mm. but it was kind of scary and yeah. Just, yeah, especially I mean, how it yeah. kind of reds out the screen if you get yeah. caught. Yeah. yeah, I didn't love it, but I, mm. it was short enough uh, yeah. that that Same, I yeah. it was fine. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might be the portion of the the uh, game in my head that sticks out as being the most difficult and like the most fail and retry sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's relatively late in the game, and I, I felt it was mm. those normally with those kinds of sections. I'm like. Ugh. Because uh, I can get very frustrated, but I had faith in in Greg Lovanoff and mm. his desire to have you continue to progress, which kind of made it feel uh, a little less onerous. I think there are only maybe four or five screens of that yeah. stuff, but yeah, you are essentially you're you're going around in the dark, and there's these eyes in the background, and you're using your singing to actually see where you can jump. And but yeah, again, the lack of any severe punishment for failure. Mm beyond going back a maybe about the maximum would be like 20 30 seconds of gameplay maybe yeah i think I, it just I, it just reminded me of like for some reason every game uh that that game company make they always do this and i hate it every single time yeah. i'm just like you could have just made the whole thing nice you didn't have to do this like <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the nasty stuff to enjoy 
to really appreciate the nice stuff, right? Yeah, I suppose. Just like <laughs> life. Uh, but uh, accessibility uh, is uh, something we tried to talk about. And actually, in this case, there's very good reason to, uh, from the Gaming Bolt interview, uh, the publication said Wonder Song is a game about music with a game uh, and a game with a very vibrant and colourful visual style and in spite of that it's a game that makes concessions to both deaf and colourblind players which is a laudable and admirable thing how hard was it to get that balance right though and was it something you were adamant on doing and Greg replied we were really adamant on this because we want the game to be accessible and comforting to all kinds of people to be honest it wasn't that hard either just a philosophy that we approached the design with we always indicate hints with colour, sound and direction so gamers of any ability can understand what to do. This clarity is great even if you are perfectly capable of seeing colour and hearing. Uh, I didn't even, you know, I am privileged to have all the all those senses working and, uh, and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, but yeah, well done for making the game still work for people who don't. I guess, and so say all of us. Uh, yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, just to the the point that we previously made as well, the idea that you can fail uh, the singing sections and there's very little punishment for failing any of the platforming sections, I think, is also yeah. a great accessibility thing. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and and that sort of approach, not the accessibility wise, but that that sort of lack of punishment, absolutely is not a one size fits all thing for all games, but uh, but for certain types of experience. Why? Why punish your audience unduly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the the big ending, or how we and and how we get there. One thing I really liked uh, that I didn't know even uh, until after I played it. Uh, so, well, what should we say? the The quest that you think you're going on for the whole game is for this song that might be able to stop the end of the cycle, the end of this world for these people. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's called the earth song. And as you understand it, you're trying to get these parts of the song from the overseer, kind of a standard sort of quest trope, but every, every step of the way things keep happening. Either Audrey turns up and kills them. That's generally what happens. Um, or you know, things transpire that mean that you can, you have to go through other, uh, means to get the various sections of the song. So I suppose a lot of us were thinking, sort of ballad of the windfish type situation that yeah. we were going to collect all these parts of the song and sing the big song at the end and it would you know maybe we'd all join in with the the spirits of the overseers or something like that and it would all come together very neatly but actually that's not really what happens is it in the end the world pretty much does end uh then you're you're not really told what to do but you again from there's some really, I'd say there's some really nice uh, invisible signposting in this game uh, where uh, the developer cleverly leads you around the the environment by just showing you bits of where to be next kind of thing. It's, you know, straightforward stuff, but effective. I never got lost, I don't think. Uh, the, the world is silent and black and white. You ascend to climb a bell, uh, to ring a bell, uh, and you start ringing this bell with really with the absence of nothing else to do and no other hope left uh and then well this uh, I, I don't know if there's 
a cleverer interpretation of it, but this um, this kind of pearl, this orb of light kind of comes into being. And at that point, you do kind of, you just, I think, I'm not exactly sure what what's happening, but the bard is effectively kind of doing his best to sing the bits of the song that he knows, just trying to get people to rise up. And they do. Uh, it's effectively a spirit bomb. Like everybody lends you bomb. their, yeah. Like it, it. It, well, it it, it, it kind of is because I mean, you know, mm. you, this is not mm. the first game to do something sort of like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you all of the the kind of groups of people that you've met along the way and that you've helped or you know gone along through their journeys with them. Um, you know, you've got your your band and all the people in the factory and. Which I, we didn't even touch on the fact that it's basically evil Santa Claus running the factory. Well, he's not evil, but you know, it's it's basically Santa Claus running the factory, or it's who, child's play with the Chucky dolls. Who? Yeah, it's it's a combination. Yes, I I agree with that. Yeah, it's Santa Claus making Chucky dolls, who then checks up with the Bard's mom at the end. So, um, good good for them, I guess. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you 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 have all of these groups of people who are just kind of lending you their their energy or their power and throughout the game the um i don't really know what she is the uh the the kind of little rainbow fairy mm. oh yeah, yeah messenger um, of the gods i guess yeah, yeah. um ayala um she she tells you a couple of times like this is not gonna work like the, yeah you're mm. you're not singing this song isn't actually gonna do anything because what you, you haven't really got all the parts yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even even if you do, you know, it's 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 not that easy. Yeah. Uh, but he just kind of keeps going along because he doesn't really have anything else to do at that point uh, and just assumes that he will somehow make it work and effectively does <laughs> somehow make mm. it work. But um, but yeah, I mean, you just you just have all of these groups of people who are kind of combining together, which is sort of what she said that the Earth Song needed to do the whole yeah. time. Mm. So, I mean, this this isn't the biggest surprise, but it. Mm. it it is very effective, I think, as a device. Yeah, I didn't really notice until I started playing the beginning for a second time where she very explicitly says to you a couple of times early on in the game that the Earth song is is less of like a structured song and more of just sort of a a song of harmony of the planet being on the yeah. same wavelength as, as mm-hmm. itself. And I, she never really tells you anything about the fact that this might work if you can get enough people to you know sort of overcome their problems and be happy but that seems like it's where where the game actually leads is the the influence that the bard has had across these multiple different cities and things that they've traveled to um is is what actually makes the earth song work rather than just knowing the parts of it and obviously then you get the sort of fantastic long 20 minute sequence at the end where the entire planet is singing the earth song together with the yeah. bard kind of he's almost like composing it uh, or not not composing mm. sorry conducting it with the um yeah uh, singing through the pipes and jumping on the big piano thing and tuning the wavelengths of the the little oscilloscope looking things because mm. isn't it uh, yeah it basically says like you know you didn't actually really sing the earth song but no. it wasn't really the point it's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of your own thing and that's fine <laughs> i think i think the idea is that the the piece of music they end up performing as a as a uh, globe or whatever mm. is the wonder song i think that's what i think that's right yeah i think that might be what it's sort of titled mm-hmm. uh it was i mean it's i have it, one it, tiny complaint can i oh, can sure I, <laughs> please okay. yeah 
It's this is probably the one really negative thing you will hear me say about this game. Um, it goes through the whole sequence twice, and I don't think it needed to. I think once uh, been more effective. Oh, the actual the interactive sequences. Although yeah. the the bits in between do con- continue to change. I I wonder if maybe that was just so that they could get all the different scenes yeah, in. Maybe. But, yeah, maybe. I, I would have uh, preferred if it because I mean it, it's a long sequence, and that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. But I think that if you were going to make it that long, then maybe having one sequence with each of them yeah. in each area would have mm-hmm. would have been a little bit more effective to me. Yeah, um, no, I, not I, that it was bad, but, uh, sure. but yeah, that's that's probably that would have been my preference. I felt like that that ending section went on. I agree. A bit too long. And I had the same thing as I was saying earlier about am I doing this right? And yeah, the only yeah. thing that was giving <laughs> the only thing that was giving it away was the fact that the the sort of cutscenes, such as they are, kept coming in, and maybe maybe ever so slightly that slightly diluted the the impact but uh i d- you know i do want to f- do want to ask did everyone find this i know it's kind of an obvious thing to do but i feel like it comes together very well and and i did find it touching yeah. like i'm not i wasn't yeah. sitting there in floods of uncontrollable tears but it, it was very nice so there's um there's a jacob geller video where he starts off the video by saying something like Hey, I know a way to, you know, just reduce my anxiety levels within a few clicks. And he like opens Spotify and starts playing one of the Resident Evil save music, uh, save theme, uh, <laughs> yeah. save room songs, whatever. And I've kind of had that throughout the second half of this year with the ending song from this, with a, a specific oh, stream that I found where there's nice. like it's like a twenty minute long section, but you load it up to the point where the bard starts singing and the bell moves, and I can just kind of melt backwards and watch what's going on on the screen and listen to the music and think, yeah, this is just nice. This is just really calming and kind of stress relieving. And you, you see all of the characters that you met in their new kind of situations, their better off situations. And you see, I think it's, it goes, it cuts from the bell to the, the woman who is the, um, the mayor from the first town that you come in yeah. just mm-hmm. kind of, it, it's hard to even call it singing. She's kind of yeah, just yeah. shouting She's like just joining screaming, in, yeah. But that, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, I think that's part of the, that's part of her thing, isn't it? Like, she, you try to get her to teach you the song. That's like one of the first it, yeah, places you and go, she's, and, and she, she says, can't do it she because she's sing. so terrible at singing. But she's yeah. still singing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she's the first person to kind of break into this this mm-hmm. planet wide song that goes on. It's just it, to me, it's so wholesome and it's so chilled out that. I I've listened to it probably ten times since I finished playing. And there the game. was me thinking you might be the sort of the the, the cranky and cynical <sighs> voice on this show. <laughs> well, I mean, the flip side of that is I'll stop listening to the Wonder Song theme and go and flip on like some weird, uh, yeah, completely horrible to listen to, like sure. experimental noise music or something instead. <laughs> Variety is but, the you spice know, of Yeah, you, you get what you want out of it. Yeah, exactly. The, um, <laughs> so when the Dream King explains that, you know, the, the real sort of apocalypse is just people drifting apart, essentially, mm. and becoming divided and, and separated, and, mm. and, and sort of in contrast to, you know, Audrey's whole thing, you know, when you meet her, uh, one of the times you meet her in the, I forget what it's called, the dreamscape, spirit realm, whatever, you, whatever it is. I think they just call yeah, it the spirit like world. Yeah. 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 Um, and she's saying like, no, that like it's all sort of collapsing in on itself and it's all getting too, you know, too smushed up and things are spilling out. That I mean, I'm probably reading too much into it. That to me kind of felt like it was talking about spending too much time on the internet because I feel like, yeah. 
Yeah, the internet is, you know, this this beautiful dream of everything being interconnected and everyone being able to reach each other. And it's mm. all it's kind of done in a lot of ways is, is driven people further apart. And it's and it's made people, you know, some people feel more distant than ever in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I wondered if it was kind of talking about that. But I don't mm. know. Yeah, I mean that's the, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to think about. That's I mean yeah, a a real sort of cynical critic could sort of say when when you make something that is such a general message of, mm. you know, let's all be better, let's all get along, let's all work together. And you know you can you can see it as an environmental message, of course. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole explicit anti-war section, yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely. The 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 idea that well, yes, exactly. What I d- don't want to repeat what you just said, Sean, but mm. the, the the idea that even if it's not even if it's not disconnecting us, then it's polarizing us, mm. um, and or at least the way the way the way the internet's been. Um, or the way it's manifested in a lot of ways on the flip side if it wasn't for the internet we wouldn't be having this lovely wholesome conversation about this lovely wholesome game in fact you know we've never even met each other so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you know um it's 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 never that straightforward but i yeah i totally get what you're saying and i think the the game does cover a lot of uh or have things to say about a lot of the big themes of existence mm. uh you know self versus uh, yeah, uh, uh, what it is to to understand yourself and uh, look after yourself, and uh, free will versus fate, and cooperation and friendship and love and yeah, all those all those the grandest of themes. And I suppose it is very easy to be cynical and think that you know that such a such a thing as a as an as a little indie game, um, you know, isn't really gonna change the world but i and you know and what's the point kind of thing but i but i i think i'm more in the mindset of which you know which is how and why even though you know i i can absolutely be at at the the mercies of of the grimness of of the times we're particularly currently living in Mm. i'm still of more of a mindset of the you absolutely have to like if you've got the talent of Greg Lobanov and, and his and his collaborators, you should absolutely make games like this because, like, putting even a little something good and beautiful back into the world, compared to not doing it, is like it's such a it's such a gift, and yeah. and such a such a great thing to be able to do. Yeah, because especially I think sort of more so in the first half of the game, it's it's very much making the point that like. People you think are, you know, harmful or aggressive mm. or nasty or spiteful or whatever, so often they are acting the way they are because of their own problems, right? Like they're yeah. either they're, mm-hmm. you know, scared or sad or you know they've they've got their own stuff going on, or they've been indoctrinated, and, or they've been indoctrinated, <laughs> um, and like, and that's something I that like I definitely used to be a hundred percent behind and then i feel like obviously as time has gone on the you know age we live in i feel like there are more and more exceptions to that possibly <laughs> um yeah, like people who yeah. are just straight up bad um mm, it's hard. and i so to, yeah for this game to sort of make that point again um yeah i, I found really interesting and I, I was sort of you know wrestling with like like you know this is clearly a positive message do i think it's naive maybe in in some cases but like i think sort of by the end i sort of met it halfway and sort of took 
you know, sort of the, the message I took was like, never go into any sort of interaction assuming someone is just being horrible for the sake of it or just because yeah. they are horrible. Or, like, at least consider that there are other yes. factors. Maybe, you, you know, you mull it over and then you conclude they are just a horrible person, but never let that be your first assumption. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's a really good point in that it, it, is that there is something I, I often have that thing where you, I find that the most the most affecting the, the the films and and whatever else the the fiction the the pieces of art that I think the most important to the for the world are often wasted on the wrong audience if you see what I mean you know mm. so the most the most woke cinematic experience is only going to play to the most woke cinematic audience yeah. kind of thing but here you've actually identified like a really like we're playing this because yeah we're whatever you want to call us lefty or hippie or whatever you know whatever it is that kind of naive um <laughs> sort of uh hippy dippy happy clappy um kind of people but actually rather than it just rather than wonder song just re-cementing the sort of the i the globalistic peaceful ideal that maybe we have uh it's actually made like you just said sean you made you just even yeah it might not always it's not always going to work and you're not always going to think oh my god that guy on twitter is driving me insane but what would <laughs> what would the bard have done it's never going to be yeah. quite that simple <laughs> but it's it's that sowing the seed and just keeping that all these bits of art help keep this this closer to the forefront of our minds and maybe just stop us going yeah going to the the uh the easy the the quicker and easy dark side path or whatever yeah i think something that really was important for me to kind of keep in mind well not even that i had to keep it in mind it was just something that kept me from seeing this as just kind of a sappy thing that uh, you know i i wasn't especially interested in was that the game to me doesn't read like everything is always and we touched on this at the beginning nothing it it's not always going to be just you know happy and perfect and everything that's not why the world was kind of saved you know it was saved because despite all of that stuff mm -hmm. everything could kind of still come together with those imperfections and with all of that stuff you know it's it's more about acceptance than it is about perfection yeah. and uh yeah. i i think that that was what i found to to be kind of powerful about it was you know it it wasn't just the good stuff that uh, all the other stuff is also still there and presumably i i don't do we ever actually find out what happened to audrey like no I, we've got no, a yeah. little we got a little yeah. bit about that okay uh, so i mean but i don't I kind of doubt she's just dead. She's probably no, there somewhere. No. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not that kind of game, you know. So I mean even even this person who was kind of the biggest obstacle to what you wanted to do, you know, isn't isn't probably just evil, you know, and and, and things kind of worked out in spite of that. So yeah, I just I don't know. It, it's still there are still bits of it that are a little bit cheesy, you know, but it, I I I don't think that it's naive necessarily at least that's not the way i read it and if it is a little then mm. what's wrong with that when it's so <laughs> obviously coming from 
a good place. One of my favorite games is Kirby's Epic Yarn. So you want to talk about <laughs> indeed a noted influence? Yeah, yeah. And and the reason, like uh, one of the other uh, influences, was uh, Undertale. And uh, obviously, we we did a show on on that, which uh, which I wasn't on, but um, we heard particularly from our uh, our guest Maria how much that game means to her and and how much it speaks to her. And I know that game's got this huge kind of uh, devoted following to its writing and stuff. Whereas for me, it was a little bit too oblique, um, and and <laughs> not not that I'm lazy, but just required a little bit m- more effort than I was willing to put in to get to that core message. And I think, and maybe another one you could say that about is Near Automata. Like you had to play that game for however many hours and get however many credit rolls to get the message of the game. Yeah, this game says similar things in a much less arch and more obvious way. So it is easy to brand it as naive or whatever. But sometimes, as I say, like with a with the best of Pixar or, or whatever else, sometimes it's okay just to say the most obvious things. Like sometimes, um, I remember uh, thinking about the song, um, which obviously it's been overplayed. It's been used at everybody, you know, too many funerals and it and it became a cliche in itself. But there was one time... I was listening to Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., which is the most, you know, the the least arch and oblique lyric that Michael Stipe ever wrote. And it just completely got me. Like, Do people really play that at funerals? Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is odd, I know. But uh, yeah, I think it is. I think it is statistically the most uh, requested funeral song. Um, but something sometimes like for all of, you know, you can pick through, uh, you know, peak R.E.M. years and and get have all kinds of fun going into Michael Stipe's sort of uh, lyricisms and, and, you know, witticisms and, and references. But then he just sang that song. Maybe maybe he just wanted it to be a hit or maybe he was just feeling it that way that day. It was and, it, was um, it not written about Kurt Cobain? I made that up. Uh, no, it was... Uh, well, I mean, it was before he died, certainly. Ah, d- probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, sometimes I guess, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Sometimes saying the, the, the big things in a really obvious way is the most, most affecting way. Um, we don't always have to kind of be looking for metaphors and similes and analogies. Yeah. One thing that really touched me actually was, uh, again, from this Loot Pots interview about that, the, the audio for the closing song. When we were doing the ending song, we did this thing where we got on Twitter and got in touch with Kickstarter backers and Gord. McGladdery, who did the music, wrote a really short demo of what the song was going to sound like. It was a simple loop that builds and builds and builds. Then we got in touch with tons of people and we asked them to listen to this and then record yourself singing along and just give us the recording. We got like two or three hundred recordings or something. Just a huge number of people contributed and we put every single person into the game as this giant choir of people. That was really, really cool. And that was all Gord's Mm. idea. For me, I really appreciate that almost as a fan. I just thought that was really cool. It sounds really great. And I had nothing to do with it. So I just love it unambiguously in the third person. For a game like Wonder Song, it felt like the perfect way to do that kind of thing and a perfect way to end this kind of game. So that felt really special. I like that. As to Audrey's fate. Uh, Again, from TV Tropes Trivia, the circumstances surrounding the finale of the game and Audrey's ambiguous fate were recently laid to rest by the developers for good, sort of. 
Originally, after the moment of the Dream King getting finished off by Audrey, there would have been an animation of her falling down the pit where Dream King used to be, all but outright saying that she didn't make it out alive. According to the developers, this was scrapped primarily for two reasons. One, the multitude of visual effects in that specific scene made it hard to tell what was happening. And two, it felt like going too far in a game where the overall message was about forgiveness and compassion. It was decided that this thread would ultimately be left ambiguous as they felt that the question was more interesting than any one answer. So did Audrey die or did she somehow escape the end of the world as we know it alive? As the response puts it, too long, didn't read. We also don't know. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I, yeah, it always annoys me when, you know, in, I'm, I'm thinking of a specific film, but I don't want to say what it is because it will spoil yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but it's got an ambiguous ending. Yes. And so, and then obviously all over YouTube, there's videos like, well, is it this or is it that? How can we tell? And like, uh, like overanalyzing. No, the point is that you don't know when you're supposed to yes. think the mo- about the it. The modern definition of the quotes plot hole is things that weren't explicitly shown on screen for idiots. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> do not interpret it yourself must be shown everything uh yeah uh colin alonso on the game says wonder song just made me smile and lifted my spirit anytime i played it Uh, i like this comment actually lifted from that dual shockers interview site just one comment on the interview but uh i thought it was worth sharing from anonymous I had so much fun with Wondersong. After following it for a while, I bought it on release day and talked about it way too much. Very refreshing thematically. No community urging to get good. No gatekeeping. No negative messages. It's almost a love letter to people. I'll always follow Greg's project, especially as long as he keeps spreading these great vibes and engaging concepts. And finally, from the forum for this volume, we have Mr. Ixalite, who says... 2020 is the first time I played along with Kane and Rince, and I'm glad I did, because it gave me Wondersong, a game I'd never heard of, but is now one of my favourites of the last few years. The actual gameplay is perfectly serviceable and suitably iterated upon along the way, but it's tremendously eclipsed by every other element of the game. The visuals are simple but eye-catching and evoke a lot of character, and the music is of course excellent, but the real star of the game is the writing. This was one of those games where I had to talk at every character, (laughs) talk at, I had to talk to every character until exhaustion of all responses because those responses would uniformly be well-written, funny or sweet. There is a feeling of warmth and empathy emanating from this game, a sense of a fundamentally decent world or at least a world capable of being so. The game's peak was, for me, a late game scene with Miriam in a dance club where you can hear her thoughts, feelings and her growth before she finally asks to be left to dance. I'm not much of a role player in games, but I promptly picked out the most fitting dance from my own repertoire and proceeded to stand silently grooving beside Miriam for 10 minutes out of respect for the wishes from my friend. As I left her to herself, I felt like I'd experienced something truly special and more than most games I can think of, the world and people of Wondersong truly felt worth preserving. By the end, the game left me with the slightly melancholy feeling generated by any truly great story where you're satisfied by the resolution, yet sad to see everything you've grown to love go. My only gripe is the absence of do-overs for the game's musical challenges because the combination of the slightly fiddly mechanics and my own limited rhythm skills never quite hit the notes, I felt the lovable scenes deserved. Luckily, I never felt the game's characters pretended that my character was a musical prodigy 
And the important part is that I tried, even if it wasn't perfect. Oh, I'm pretty thing. sure you, you mm. can do over most of them, can't you? There's the one, you know, on the boat where they asked you to yeah. essentially compose the three mm-hmm. parts to the song. I yeah. redid that way too many times after it's I really, you know, eventually nice, realized yeah. it didn't really matter. But um, <laughs> I, I yeah. do get the frustration with, yes, you know, when you're tapping out a rhythm to like a, a pre, um, you know, like a, mm. when it has the little sort of indicators coming in because ultimately it's, you know, it's a binary input but with an analog stick and yes. sometimes the timing mm. feels a bit icky, but... Yeah, but yeah, it rarely matters. It's no problem. You do, uh, you do open up a uh, chapter select after yes. after you oh, complete yeah, yeah. it. So I mean, not not quite the same thing, but uh, incredibly you, you granular can. one too. Yeah, uh, I, I really didn't mess with oh, it. I yeah, just kind of saw yeah, that yeah. it was there. There's fifty something or sixty something <laughs> chapters oh, yeah. throughout oh, wow. the game. Yeah, I don't know how it deals with the bits that are affected by your choices. So, for instance, there are certain characters who may or may not be together at the end of a regular playthrough. I assume it just looks at your save, the save that you've created, and and goes with that. But it may be possible to say, obviously, talking about missing that dance club scene that that we've all mentioned enjoying, including our correspondence. Mm-hmm. If you'd missed it, you could then go back to that segment of the game and and play it for yourself. Well, I was. Uh, I, 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 this hasn't come up yet, and I was I was worried I was going to open up a whole can of worms. Looking at the speed runs, there is a bad ending category. Oh. I didn't think there was a bad ending. Yeah, I've heard well, about this bad <laughs> ending, but I can't imagine what it actually is. Yeah. Well, it didn't come up in my research. No. Oh. Uh, that's probably my failing, but it's interesting. Uh, it, I wonder how up. bad it is, though. Like, if if their definition <laughs> of bad is just like you don't you're not great friends with miriam well i mean that yeah it's probably that, that. Bad, yeah yeah, yeah maybe just some little variable maybe like it's that, just yeah. It, yeah it's it's it might not be you failed to save bad, the world it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, god that would be that would be bad yeah. um, <laughs> okay yeah. um on the wiki under the yes. overseer song uh page uh, it is mentioned in the trivia that Using songs to skip large portions of the game will result in the player achieving the bad ending. Ah. But that doesn't actually say what they are. I mean, that that means, (laughs) to me, that is assuming that, yeah, you don't speak to Miriam at that certain point. You don't speak to... I mean, you can probably do... You know the bit with the pirates, with the the mermaids? You can probably Mm -hmm. skip going to the mermaid island, potentially. Oh, really? Uh, Well... I mean, in my head, just just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, yeah, you could probably skip mm. that. That didn't seem like a like a major point to go to, but I, that that would be my assumption: is you can skip out mm. a lot of these extra dialogue scenes and achieve yeah. a bad ending. But I don't know. well, don't is my yeah. message to the listener. Yeah. Yeah. Speak to everybody, talk <laughs> to every yeah. person until their dialogue is exhausted. <laughs> it's probably worthwhile. Do it yeah. properly. Good. Uh, right, we also got a few three-word reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Kana Rintz. John? Uh, Andrew Elmore says, full of heart. Pecan Pie says, upbeat and colourful. Mr. Ixalite says, melody of empathy. Colin Alonzo says, music makes magic. And Joe Bobonobo says, singing solves everything. It can do. Uh, I definitely have that... Uh, Thing, like uh, living situation stuff doesn't allow me to sing like I did when I was living alone and in a place where no <laughs> one could hear me. And uh, it genuinely really did help my mental health singing a lot. Like 
Yeah, uh, I think my neighbours can hear me when I'm like yeah. put on some weird music at three o'clock in the morning and I'm singing yes, don't along. Do that. Like, Be a good neighbour. She's probably <laughs> pissed at me, but you know, or deaf, or both. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, I'm sure the the the, uh, the therapeutic benefits are documented. Uh, well, I put you first, John, just because, as I say, well, prejudice, really. Um, <laughs> you, you just assume that I'm a grumpy old bastard. It was something you'd said. <clears throat> it was yeah. something you said a while back, saying that you were a bit like, uh, but it sounds like maybe you've warmed to the game more since we had that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't know which conversation you're talking about, so I'm going to... Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else altogether. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm going to completely... Wait till you hear what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's going in two-footed. Um, but you can start anyway, yeah, no, John, with your course. summary. Um, I was really, really pleased that for some bizarre confluence of events, I ended up on this show and playing this game because, I mean, back when I did this in June... I mean, it was it was probably one of the worst points of the pandemic in the UK back then. Like, it was just about as things were starting to improve after the original lockdown and stuff. But it, thing, things were pretty grim. I mean, you can argue that they're extremely grim at the moment and haven't really realistically improved that much in the meantime. But, you know, this this was at a point where things were not great. And we have a vaccine now, which <sighs> obviously does give us some, you know, well, recourse for... You know, for- light at the end of the tunnel which yeah. perhaps we felt we we didn't feel that we had at that point when we didn't know that there was going to be a vaccine if you're listening in the mm. future i don't need to tell you what year this was recorded <laughs> in, do I? I mean this hopefully, is this is hopefully also, I don't. oh god this yeah, happens don't to that. be uh six days before christmas where the area that i live in has just been put into a new tier four lockdown which yes. didn't exist before and suddenly christmas is cancelled and i yes. can't do anything so. there's a new more infectious strain yeah of, yeah of i mean it's right COVID-19. today as we're recording this things yep. aren't amazing but you know back no. in june mm, also not amazing so no. i i found quite a lot of um kind of peace and uh, just a, a nice, positive, uplifting feeling from playing this game back at a point where things felt particularly poor. Um, and, you know, maybe that continues and maybe maybe I continue to abuse my YouTube playlist where for some bizarre and entirely unique reason, you listen to the, the song at the end of this, which then gets jumped into you know twenty minute version of uh, Lingua Ignota screaming about being sexually abused, and you know both of those things are kind of beautiful and and horrifying in their own way. But uh, you know I, I I like this game a lot, and I would I would highly recommend this as oh hmm, do I want to say like a a, a positive thing for twenty twenty or is it just a, a sheer coincidence that this has happened to to fall in as being a fairly nice, wholesome part of my powers of, this. of foresight. Yeah, and this otherwise absolutely god awful year that everybody's living in, and yeah, maybe maybe you can also enjoy it in twenty twenty one when things are no doubt going to be way better. But <laughs> I, I, <can't. laughs> I love the idea of someone in the future playing Wonder Song and just being like, "Well, it's pretty much how I felt anyway." Yeah. Also, it was a big oh. deal. This is <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty yeah. actually sounded pretty good in comparison. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel I'm getting way off track on this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed the game. It's very wholesome. It's very sweet. It's it feels like it has its heart and its sort of politics in the right place. And 
I I would like to see more games that don't just immediately drop to like violence as the the predominant verb that's used within them. And yeah, there are plenty of those around, but and you this, love them. Yeah, I do also like those games yes. a lot. But <laughs> this this in some way feels like a little bit of like an antidote to that poisonous feeling. <laughs> Thanks, John. Yeah, so I didn't know a huge amount about this game when I put it on the roster for what was 12 months' time at the time or thereabouts. Uh, other than, yeah, I, 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 could see the, I could see the art. It was pink and pastel rainbow colours and, uh, and it had a goofy-looking Terence and Philip singing man on it. And uh, I thought, well, you know, people say it's a feel-good game. As I say, little did I know that we would really need a feel-good game at the end of uh, of this particular year. And uh, it really did help. It was a pick-me-up for me. What more sort of kindness can I say to it, I think? Um, well, obviously, we've gone into the, the nitty-gritty of the design and, 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 the, uh, and the genesis of the game. But uh, when it comes down to it, uh, I played it, I guess I played it in maybe four or five sessions over a week and a half or something like that. And um, yeah, it was just something that was incredibly pleasant to return to each time, uh, even the dark bits, because you know, you knew that, uh, that the bard was still there and still going through what he was going through. Some really nicely written and drawn characters, relatable, fun to look at. Uh, the actual kind of gameplay parts of the, the, the getting around and the mechanics, the jumping, the puzzling and all that is just fine um some of it's quite interesting and, and well thought through there's a lot of variety in there but yeah it's really it's the whole package that's such a thing and it's an odd one i haven't yet found myself listening to the music in isolation partly because i only just finished the game really uh, uh earlier today um i can see myself doing that uh and it's maybe not a game where i would have immediately thought like with one of Supergiant's games where I just think, yes, I'm going to listen to this soundtrack, uh, regardless of whether I'm playing uh, their latest opus or whatever. Uh, the music works in a different way in this because it's got these kind of, we, we didn't even sort of really describe, but the singing is this kind of sampled um, that I failed to credit the the vocalist, but there is a, there is a vocalist um, credited for giving, providing the samples for the bar's voice. Uh, and as we've heard for the final song, uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, contributors from the games community, which I think is wonderful. Um, so listening to it in game is, is is slightly different to listening to other game music in that sense. But it is at the front and centre. And even if sometimes it, it the music and the game are kind of very borderline on that sort of almost, you could yeah say twee or naive uh, kind of thing. Um, I think overall there's way more depth to it than that as i say i know i mentioned pixar a couple of times but that's sort of um that's probably partly because i haven't seen so much of the other cartoon um uh i know uh sean you're a big fan of is it o over the garden wall yeah 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 which I've, I've still never seen and and things like that but i'm sure i would love uh so that's probably why i'm referencing slightly the wrong things but that that thing where it it, it on the surface it looks incredibly uh, almost childlike and cute, but is actually packing tons and tons of um, heart and uh, and and good vibes. And yeah, I paid a fiver for it, and um, it was yeah 
just a really good time and worth seeing through to the end because the payoff uh the the payoff the big finale and the payoff and and the dancing the doing the soft shoe shuffle into your house at the end is uh it really does feel like you've been on a special journey so yeah uh great stuff leah yeah, so um, when I started playing this game, I kind of thought I knew what it was going to be um, because we we kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, you start out by doing like these simple little, uh, all, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is going to translate to UK people, but um, Simon kind of things. Electronic like Simon. Yes. Oh, we um, had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wasn't sure, but uh, good to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's almost that, right? Like, you, you get a short little pattern, and then you, you copy it, uh, and, and something happens, like a bird will carry you up a ledge or whatever. Um, but they do so much more with it that I, I found myself being really impressed by the um, kind of the mechanics of the game and just kind of the variety and the creativity that there was with such a simple set of commands that that you have access to uh and on top of all of that it's just really a nice game like i play a lot of games that are not very nice (laughs) um i you know i i i'm playing neo right now for the first time and that gives mean (laughs) sometimes so um yeah um and and you know that's that's something that i enjoy i like i like things that are challenging sometimes but i also like stuff like this and like a boy in his blob with its hug button and like Kirby's Epic Yarn, which, you know, just, the, you know, ha- have the capacity to, when I'm in the mood mm-hmm. for such a thing, just turn me into a little pile of squeeing. Um, yeah. And, and you know, just it just have that effect on me every every so often. Uh, and, and this is one of those games. It, it combines, it's not, it's not super challenging, uh, but it's not insultingly easy, I don't think. Um, mm. it, it's kind of just a nice level of engagement with um, just nice. I keep saying nice, and I think that that really, <laughs> uh, it, it, it does kind of get at what I, what I want to say uh, about this game. Um, I, I liked the characters, uh, especially Miriam and... Um, yeah, I, I I I will admit that you know the the part that got me was not the the singing and the going back and forth. It's at the very end before uh, you go into the house and you just hug Miriam and like yeah. that that was it that 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 was the part that got me. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I felt like the relationships that you build in this game are really uh, kind of sweet and believable and um, rewarding. I think is is. Mm. what i want to leave that at uh so yeah i i really enjoyed this game i uh it's available on pretty much anything you might have right now so um i i would recommend uh seeking it out and seeing if it uh if it jives with you if you want to you know kind of get a little mood boost at the end of uh this this hellstorm of a year um so uh yeah uh, do do recommend uh i liked it and i think uh, a lot of people will as well me too let's conclude with our guest sean it like it is a very wholesome game but there's like you know there's been quite a big resurgence of of like this kind of thing in the last few years which has been amazing like you know it's a really nice thing to see what i think this does that's really special is that you know, it, it's not just like, um, like a Animal Crossing or mm. uh, like Calico that's just come out, right? Where it's where the game is just like a relentlessly like pleasant place to be. 
Hmm. I feel like Wonder Song is is actually like inviting you to consider being a bit more thoughtful and a, you know more considerate um, in your you know your sort of dealings with other people. Um, and I think you know that that's that's what makes it really special. Like it's not you know it's not like completely you know radicalized or de-radicalized my my thinking, but it hmm. has offered like a you know somewhat I mean you know a minor course correction, I suppose. Like. If you feel like, you know, too much time on social media or just, you know, the events of, of the last year or, you know, or the last few years has hardened some of your edges that could do with smoothing off, hmm. I think this is a fine way to do it. Um, yeah, I think it's a really special game. Brilliant. Thank you. So it remains for me, Leon, to thank John and Leah and Sean, uh, in case people don't know. They ought to. But uh, well, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty big deal. So yeah, you know, um, do I, do I have to plug my stuff? Oh, I hate doing this. Oh, do you? Um, Computer game show. It, Sean is the main one over on another podcast. <laughs> That's yep. I'm happy for people to believe that. Um, I thought we weren't supposed to say that name. Um, I was, was I misinformed? <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> um, yeah, I I do a weekly podcast called the Computer Game Show. It's a very original title that sort of started out as a joke that unfortunately stuck um and uh yeah we we do that every week we do streams and stuff on twitch um and yeah uh you can find us at tcgs.co um and people think we're good for some reason but it's very kind of them and we appreciate it a lot awesome I also want to thank Editor Jay, as well as our correspondents for this podcast, and to you for listening. And also, well, it's the end of another volume. This was our ninth year, uh, so I felt uh, we should probably say, well, I want to say uh, thank you to all of our contributors, as usual. Everyone who's uh, turned up, been on the panel, completed the games, and done all the prep and whatever else, and come on and wax lyrical for many many hours at a time all of our guests as well people from elsewhere on the internet other shows and here there and wherever we find them uh, our correspondence uh, it's a big part of the show some of uh, some of the i think some of the strongest and most moving moments of our podcast are, are some of the correspondence we get from the forum so don't forget uh, to look out for our upcoming shows com slash forum and uh, leave those for us for making the each show better next year. Uh, editor Ryan, who continues to edit some of our shows uh, because he's just very nice. Uh, also, yeah, shout out to Ryan and Ryan, for the Playwright Podcast, and Chris for the Sausage Factory, uh, and Ryan as well for doing Sound of Play. Uh, Jay, because without Jay, my right hand man, this none of this exists or happens. Uh, because, uh, as I've said before, we have complementary skill sets. Uh, so without each other, there is no cane or rinse, basically. To the listeners, well, thank you. That's why we do it. Uh, and a very, very, very special thank you to our Patreons, Patreon supporters, who uh, basically facilitate us continue doing what we do, because we do a ridiculous amount of stuff. And... Um, without without you yes it's um it doesn't really it's not really doable so um here we are yeah thank you uh listen for details of, uh about the patreon at the end of the show uh hope you've survived 2020 intact as it were 
uh, and play some Wonder Song over the holidays, maybe. Set yourself up for 2021 and vaccines and changes of government and uh, you know, depending where you are and more good vibes of those things and look forward to the roaring, not only the roaring 2020s, but also it's going to happen. Mark my words. But also, 2020s more. Uh, like. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but also, Screaming yeah, volume 2020. <laughs> volume, te- uh, volume 10 of the Kane and Rince podcast. We're just an insignificant, meaningless uh, video game podcast. But uh, if you like what we do, there's going to be another year of it, at least. Uh, we're starting in January with issue 451. And watch this space for announcements. If you're a patron, you'll find out sooner. So now's as good a time to sign up as any what the 50 shows are going to be. Until then, thank you once again and goodbye.